Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash Retro. programs and we're back for another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so it's it's been a rough couple of weeks <laughs> uh week one was covid and then last week um any long time listeners of the show uh know my cat luke uh aka bubby he uh, he's made some appearances on the show before uh on the back of my chair But uh, uh, he passed away last Tuesday. Quietly, um, I held him as, you know, in in his final moments. So got him back, got his ashes back and everything on Friday. And I've got him a little, little, little nice little thing in the curio cabinet on the top shelf with a couple of pictures. And they got me a tuft of his hair and uh, put his paw in a, a little ceramic thing. So... He's up there for from now on, and uh, I'm really, really sad about it, but, you know, life goes on, I guess. Well, and it's never tough to, you know, to lose a, a loved one, and yet yeah, we put our furry friends in there, too, and, you know, I, I always think of him just randomly jumping on the back <laughs> of your chair in the middle of the show, just like, you know what, I think I'm going to be on the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I so... Just... It's so quiet around here without him. Like he was such a big personality, and you know, still got Lizzie, but I can tell she's uh, she's missing him too. So she's sitting right here next to me. She's she's a little too yeah. shy to make appearances, but she's right here next to me. Maybe one day she'll work up the the nerve to do it. <laughs> but no, that that's really cool that they did like a little memorial for him, and that you were yeah. able to keep it. That that's that's really cool, and I. I know it's tough, but I know you've got a lot of of good memories to remember him by. Oh yeah, he's been my constant companion for 13 years now, so it's tough to lose him, man. It's really tough. Yeah, it is, and yeah, my my heart goes out to you still because I know that you'll be feeling it for a long time. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, everybody's asking me if I'm going to get another cat. Like eventually. I will, but I'm not really, I don't know, it's too soon. <laughs> it's just way too soon. Yeah, it's, there's got to be, at least in my opinion, not saying that it's wrong to get another pet as soon as one passes away, if you, that, that helps you cope with it. Yeah. But to, but to me, yeah, there, there's got to be a, a grievance period. Yeah, and I will. don't want Lizzie to be lonely either. You know, she's here by herself right. all day and she's used to having him here. So I know she gets lonely. So, 
need to get a, a companion for her <laughs> as well. Hopefully, I get somebody yeah. as uh, as as rambunctious as Luke was. Yeah, I'm sure you will. But how was your week? Yeah, it had to be better than mine. <laughs> well, it's I, I'm I won't say it's as bad as yours because like this is a completely different circumstance. So I in no way want to compare it to that. But my week was not the greatest either. Um, had to go to Tallahassee at uh, six o'clock in the morning last thursday to cover an event for work drove back then had to work my normal work day friday then cover a conference friday night (laughs) that then continued all day saturday had a freelance shoot yesterday so it's uh it's been kind of a whirlwind (laughs) few days you ever stop and rest anymore not really (laughs) And now I'm here doing the show. So, yeah. But no, I, I don't I don't count this as work. This this yeah. is fun. So, um, no, not uh, not the greatest of weeks, but you know, it's a new week. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm taking tomorrow off, just because I I need a yeah. I need a breather. Oh, uh, trust me, I I know that feeling. Um, and hopefully this week will be this next week will be better. It has to be. It can't be any worse than the last two weeks have been. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I I think it will. I have a surprise for you. Got okay. something in the mail today. We got this big box from our uh, patron and friend. Uh, he's on the Discord. His name is Mr. Justin Nispel. And uh, he sent mm-hmm. us some surprises in the mail. He sent us each. Oop. He sent us each a Famicom. What? <laughs> we each have oh my God. our own Famicom, and we have a uh, Rockman Two, and uh, got all the hookups. Uh, let's see, we got uh, I don't know what this is, but it says five hundred and one, and it's got like Ninja Turtles and Tiny Tunes on it. So I think there's like five hundred games on this disc. Wow! And uh, he sent us a note. Let me. Read the note here. He says, hey guys, I was listening to the show um, sh- show one day while I was working on some Nintendo family computers, and I heard you both say you want to add one to your collection, so here you go. I fix and repair old video games and electronics for fun. I buy eBay junk and fix them up to sell so I can buy stuff from my collection, and both of these family computers were non-functional and stained yellow when I got them. Tore them apart, fixed them, cleaned them, uh, and did a process called RetroBright to remove most of the yellow. Then I scrubbed all the plastic and put them back together. I hope you uh, enjoy. Also, by the way, the uh, system use the system's channel switch um, on the back says channel one or two, but in the USA, those channels are 95 and 96. I also like to modify old stuff as well. I will be, send, be sending you some custom controllers in the near future. So thank you. So much. Yeah, thank you so much. That's awesome. That wow. is fantastic. So I'll be uh, dropping yours in the mail this week. You'll be getting it uh, here, okay. here pretty soon. Let me um let me know how much the shipping is, and okay. I'll um I'll cash app it to you. Ah, eh, don't worry about it. Pa- old Patreon will pay for it. <laughs> Fair enough. That's what we have it for. But thank yeah, you, Justin, that's, for that's, that. That's yeah, absolutely. That was incredible. Like I. I he, I, I opened the box and I, I just my jaw hit the floor. It's like, what is this? <laughs> uh, I need to capture my reaction <laughs> to that because I was not expecting that at all. <clears throat> That's do. so cool. But they look brand new. Like he did a he did a number on these things. They're so cool. They look. Yeah, I can't I mean, wait they to look see brand it new. Like like they just came out of the package. So I'm excited. Now I get to look. Now I get to go down a, a path of of hunting for uh, Famicom games. Yeah, same. I'm gonna set it up where it'll be on display. Yeah, uh, me when too. we do the show. But uh, but that That's brings awesome. us um, to the uh, end of our beginning. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if we can get better than that. I feel like we should know. just wrap up the show. I got at this nowhere point. to go after that. But uh, <laughs> we got some news to get to. You want to get to the news? Let's do it. So 
Some of tonight's stories were submitted to us by Armez Jackson, and I am the Rampage. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first one tonight comes from mynintendonews.com. Shining a light on analog, the nostalgic allure of the pocket glow and the evolution of retro gaming. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, uh, The impact of analog's offerings extends beyond the aesthetic charm and nostalgic appeal of their products. Their commitment to preserving the original gaming experience through FPGA technology has been a notable contribution to the gaming industry. With the analog pocket, gamers can relive the classics without the compromises often associated with emulation. Uh, The popularity of the analog pocket glow, despite its limited availability, underlines the enduring allure of retro gaming experiences and the enduring impact of classic handheld consoles like the Game Boy. Um, an experience that resonates with the joy and excitement of earlier gaming eras. I really want to get one of these analog pockets. Uh, I keep talking about it and never do, but I need to get one. I really want to get one, too. It just brings back so many great memories of the Game Boy because it looks just like the Game Boy Pocket. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it mentions in the article too, it's a blend of modern technology with retro games. Yeah. Which I think is perfect. Um, I really, really want to get one of these at some point. Yeah, me too. I don't know when I'm going to be able to, but I want to get one because it looks amazing. I, I keep wanting to get one, but every time I get some extra cash, something catastrophic happens with my car. It ends up costing me a thousand dollars. So I don't know when I'm ever gonna. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. You know what? I'll just gonna go light my car on fire and get the uh, insurance money, and then maybe I'll have some money to buy an analog pocket. I don't want to say that that crossed my mind as an idea, but I wasn't gonna bring it up. I'll cut this out of the episode so the insurance uh, people can't come <laughs> after me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I want to get one of these. They look really, really cool. Yeah. Also from mynintendonews.com, this is a rumor. Hmm. An apparent Sega America leak seems to confirm new Sonic for 2024 and Superstars DLC. A presentation has seemingly leaked from Sega America and has since been deleted from a file hosting service. It suggests Sonic fans will get a new Sonic the Hedgehog game next year. The presentation, which revolves around the Sonic franchise, also states that the spiky blue hedgehog is the most popular game character in America. That That's a debate. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast yeah. <laughs> on that. Some of the other things mentioned in the leak include a new Sonic mobile game and planned DLC for superstars on an unspecified date, which I believe that comes out this week, along with uh, Super Mario Wonder. Yeah. But anyway, the, the rumors are, and I'll go through these quickly. We've got the Knuckles TV spinoff coming out early next year. Season 3 of Sonic Prime also coming out early next year. New mobile game in the spring of next year. Sonic Superstars DLC. Prologue for new game, most likely animated short or a comic. New game, holiday 2024. And of course, we have Sonic the Hedgehog 3, the movie, for December of 2024. I think it makes the most sense if they're going to put out a new Sonic game next year to put it out around the time the movie comes out because interest is already going to be high because you're going to have the marketing with the commercials and the trailers and everything. If it's true, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, because they really missed out by not capitalizing on the, uh, the popularity of the first Sonic movie. And to be fair... Nobody knew that movie was going to do what it did, but they should have been on it a little bit faster than they were. Like, this is this stuff should have been coming out two years ago. Yeah. Or, I mean, even, you know, in 2021 mm-hmm. when Sonic was turning 30. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would have yeah. been, the, like, make it the year of Sonic. Yeah, exactly. But better, better late than never. I'm, I'm actually really interested in the Knuckles uh, spinoff series. People haven't been talking about it for a while. But uh, I know that I want to say they did wrap filming on it before the strike started. So we should still be getting it, you know, on time. Yeah. So any I love the universe that they've built with those two movies. So I'm excited to see more. Oh, me too. I still got to get part two on uh, DVD or Blu-ray. I have you know, uh, Be- Best Buy is about to stop selling physical media. That's so stupid. I love physical I media. 
uh, I, I'm I'm going to be a physical media person till the day I die. I mean, I get some stuff on digital, but for the most part, I'm I'm probably ninety percent. You know, I like hard copies of everything. Well, yeah, because what if your internet goes down? Exactly. And you want to watch something? Nobody's ever going to take my VHS tapes away from me. When when the grid goes down, I'll be king, baby. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big story uh, over the last week. It's official. Microsoft has bought Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. Nice. Nice. Um, (laughs) Microsoft has announced its $69 billion purchase of Activision Blizzard, bringing Call of Duty and more into the Xbox fold. Uh, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said work has now begun bringing Activision Blizzard games to Game Pass, although he has stopped short of name-checking any titles. Today we start the work to bring beloved Activision Blizzard and King franchises to Game Pass and other platforms. We'll share more about uh, when you can expect to play in the coming months. We know that you're excited, and we are too. Um, so what do you think? Do you think they're going to come out with a uh, console version of World of Warcraft at some point? Uh, I don't know. I never thought I would see the day that that would be a possibility. They could. I would personally would not, though they would make some good money if they did. Yes. So it would be a smart business sense if they did that. Um. Yeah, th- this is, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time and now all of a sudden they're just, just like, oh, it's official. This is a huge, huge move for Microsoft. And I I really want to get Game Pass. Yeah. I mean, I the thing is, too. a lot of Blizzard stuff really doesn't translate well to console, like like World of Warcraft. Um, I mean, you got Diablo, the Diablo games that do, they, they work really well on consoles. But, I mean, are they going to bring it over like Hearthstone? Are they going to do... You know, he, are they going to bring back Heroes of the Storm that that they kind of, you know, brushed under the rug a couple of years ago? Like, what really are they going to bring over from Blizzard that's going to work on consoles? Well, that's part of the excitement, though, is to see what they're going to do now that it's official. Like, we're talking about how how is it going to transfer over? Yeah. There's a good chance we're going to find out. It might work, it might not, but I... I think there's a lot of money to be made with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, they have to make their money back for $69 billion. That's a lot of money to make back, to have to make back. Yeah. I'm, I think they will. I I would be a little surprised if they don't. Yeah. We'll 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 see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens. And last but not least, from Variety, Mario's new voice and actor announced by Nintendo after Charles Martinet's departure. Uh, the gaming company announced this past Friday that voice actor Kevin Afghani is the voice of Mario and Luigi in the upcoming Super Mario Bros. Wonder, a new Mario platforming game available on Nintendo Switch on October 20th. Afghani's credits, as listed on IMDb, include playing Raditz in Dragon Ball R&R and Arnold in Genshin Impact. According to his website, Afghani is based in Los Angeles and pursued a career in voice acting due to his absolute love for animation and video games. Nintendo declined to comment on whether he would be voicing Mario and Luigi in future titles beyond Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Of course, Martinet, he started in Nintendo in 1991. He announced a month ago that he's retiring from being the voice of Mario and transitioning into uh, Mario Ambassador, which Afghani actually put out on Twitter. Uh, He said, incredibly proud to have voiced Mario and Luigi in Super Mario Brothers. Wonder, thanks to Nintendo for inviting me into the Flower Kingdom. Hmm. So I don't know how he sounds as Mario because I've, by design, not been watching much from Mario Brothers. Wonder because I want to go in with a completely open mind. So I think it's a really big opportunity for him. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'd want that pressure replacing a legend like Martinet, <laughs> who's been the voice of Mario since really he's had a voice, but you know, good for him. That's, that's really, really cool. I'm just wondering if he's going to make it into more of a Chris Pratt ish type of voice now, or if he's going to kind of stay with the Charles Martinet style of, you know, woohoo and all that kind of stuff. 
not really saying anything, but just making more exclamations. I would think they would keep it in the, the Martinet Avenue. I mean, maybe they'll gradually add in more voice acting. But if you think about it, other than the, the sounds, Mario hasn't really had like a conversational type of voice. Yeah. Maybe not maybe they'll Pratt. phase into that, but I I wouldn't <laughs> just jump right into, you know, like Mario Brothers movie level of dialogue. Yeah. Well, I was saying I'm just glad it's not Chris Pratt. <laughs> well, yeah, he he'd be a little too pricey. Yeah, a little bit. I think, but yeah, there's a lot of Mario stuff coming out too. We've got the um, Mario Wonder coming out this week. We've got the Princess Peach game uh, next month. We've got the remastered Mario RPG. So oh, I can't wait good, to play good, that. I know it's I'm going to get it day one and I cannot wait to dive back into that game. It is so, so good. I can't wait for you to experience it for the first time. I know. I mean, I played it a little bit, but I just did did not get very far into it. So I really want, I'm really looking forward to playing that. I'm in the mood. uh, I think uh, it'll be worth doing a, doing a review on. Absolutely. For this this here podcast. Yep. That might be a uh, Christmas. Uh, Christmas time review of that. Yeah. But uh, now it... it is time for this month in video game history. <laughs> in October of 1987, Nintendo releases Mike Tyson's Punch Out for the NES Famicom. Never heard of it. Hey, it was it was an okay <laughs> game. It it did fairly well for itself. No, it, it's one of the most recognizable Nintendo games of all time. And, you know, Mike Tyson obviously was a huge name in not just sports, but in, in pop culture. So it it was natural to include him in this game. And it is one of the outside of like Mario and Zelda. It's one of the first Nintendo games that I think of. Yeah. And, uh, and punch out both versions are still, uh, in my top five favorite NES games. I mean, it's it's a must-have for any collection. Oh, for sure. Um, Joey Image in the chat room says, supposedly WoW has 130 million players at the moment. <clears throat> I don't know if it has 130 million players. At its height, it had 15. But he says, that's $15 a month. If you do 100 million times 15 a month, that's $1.5 billion a year. Do that for six years, and you're paid back just on that game alone. I mean, I agree. I I don't know if they have that many players right now. WoW is not near as popular as it used to be. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Well, I have that's to not a bad it. idea, though. I know. Well, I mean, that's yeah. where you know Blizzard made all of their money was with WoW subscriptions every month. October 1987, LucasArts releases Maniac Mansion, the first game to use the Scum engine, innovating the point-and-click interface for the adventure game genre. I love that name, Scum Engine. I do, too. <laughs> you scum. You like scum Rebel bum. Scum. <laughs> uh, October 6th of 1990, Sega's Game Gear Color Handheld is released in Japan. It has launched in North America in 91, in Europe and Australia in 1992. And you only needed about 85 AA batteries to keep it running. The handheld that you usually had to play plugged in. Yeah. Because the batteries wouldn't last long, so it's like, <laughs> Which negated, this isn't a handheld at this point. It's no longer portable it's just, at that point. Yeah. It's the, I don't want to say the, the early design of the Switch, but... Because it wasn't, because it was only its own thing. But yeah, it. I liked the Game Gear. I wanted to like it more, but I wanted to play it more than half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't really Ridiculous. take it on a road trip. You only get like five miles down the road before the batteries ran out. I know, like by the time you get out of town, it'd already be dead. Yeah. October twenty eighth of nineteen ninety four. Rare releases Killer Instinct for the arcade in North America, and it's the first arcade machine with an internal hard disk. I never played the arcade version, but I did really enjoy the Super Nintendo version. They used to do Killer Instinct tournaments at the the local um, arcade in the mall, uh, Aladdin's Castle. And I, I tried to do it once, one Saturday. They used to do it every Saturday. They did Killer Instinct. 
and um and I I I entered one time. I didn't even get past the first round because this little uh Vietnamese kid who could barely see over the thing, he's like playing like this, just completely whipped my ass and about five other people behind me waiting. I'm like, this kid can't even see over the thing. He's whipping everybody up in here. It's he's like fair. uh like Donnie Yen's character in Rogue One. Yeah. yeah he can't see, but he's like <laughs> the biggest badass in the arcade. Yep. <laughs> uh let's see. Okay. Uh October twenty-sixth of two thousand, the PlayStation two is released in North America. What a console. Can... I know. It's it has to be up there as far as like the longest running consoles of all time. And also makes for an excellent DVD player. I'm surprised they still don't sell uh, PS2s brand new. Yeah, like I said, you could use it as a DVD player. Yeah. For anything else. No, I, I love the PS2. There were a lot of great games for it. It was really like, and that, I get why Nintendo doesn't want to have like Blu-ray or DVD accessibility. But it's so nice to have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have sold more units had the the Wii played DVDs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. But they would have only topped out at like, wasn't the Wii uh, all can only do like 720p, I think? Oh, I don't even think it was that because the Wii wasn't in high definition. Oh, it wasn't? So it was only mm-hmm. like, what? Oh, just regular definition. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Always but, I mean, so DVDs, regular DVDs aren't high def anyway. Yeah, I think so they're only it, like, uh, most that they go is like 480p or something like that, 480i I think or whatever so. it's called. That's why, like, for the longest time, you know, when I was filming weddings on a more regular basis, and I could tell the couple, like, yeah, I could give you a DVD, but it's not going to be in high def, or I could give you this this cheap thumb drive yeah. that has your video in crisp <laughs> high definition on it, but they still wanted the DVD. Yeah. I mean, there's I something tactile about the DVD. You know, it's like, it's, it's a disc you have in your hand. It's futuristic, even though it's old technology. True. And finally, October 21st of 2003, Konami releases Castlevania lament of innocence for the PS2 in North America. I never played that one. I need to. I haven't either. That might have Almost to be a, a uh, review. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming up on the, uh, yeah, on Saturday, it'll be 20 years old. Whew. 2003 is 20 years ago. Do you ever think about that and just melt your brain? Next year will be uh, 20 years since I graduated high school. Yeah. yeah. Let's see, 1995. Crazy. What? Almost 30 years ago, I graduated high school. That's not cool, man. It's not cool at all. Nine, 95 was a good time. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I was a, I mean, I was only a kid, but that's part of the reason why it was a good time. The 90s were great. They uh, were. But that, uh, that brings us to the end of this month of video game history. And Derek, before we go into the review tonight, do you want to do our Patreon shout out? Absolutely. We want to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out James, a.k.a. Jimbo Jr. on Discord, Travis Martin, Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel. Thank you again for the Famicoms. Yes. Those were amazing. Uh, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B-Rez Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage. Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mr. Joey Image, and of course, Mama Diamond herself, Donna Diamond. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here on the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to our bonus episodes, which are usually commentary tracks and we've got a uh we've got a special one yes planned for for October you know we we all we all love our halloween films we've been actually talking about the halloween movie franchise uh do do we want to reveal what it is or do we want to save it as a no, surprise no let's go ahead and tell everybody um 
Our, you know, we usually have Mr. Joey Image, who's uh, in the chat room right now. He comes in and joins us every every October uh, for our extra episodes. So he's going to be joining us again this year with me, Derek, and Mr. Wally Phelps. And Derek, tell them what we're watching. We are watching the original Scream movie, which I cannot wait because it's that and the original Halloween are my 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. For I, I love the Scream franchise. Minus one of the movies i actually think they're all really good so i'm really excited to to watch it and discuss it with you guys yeah we're gonna be recording that on the 29th so as soon as we're done with it i'm gonna release it to patreon so if you want it if you want to get that as soon as it drops go join our patreon and tell them again where that patreon's at patreon.com slash retro and for new patrons be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout-out. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And tonight, Derek will be talking about... Whether I like the music or I don't like it, <laughs> I can't really tell. You know, I was thinking the same thing as I was playing through the game. Yeah. Because <laughs> music is something that I'm usually immediately drawn to when it comes to, to retro games. I'm a sucker for 8-bit and 16-bit music. And as I'm, there's a few different tracks throughout this game. And I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily like them. I don't dislike them, but they're not anything really to write home about yeah if that makes sense they're kind of kind of middle of the road is is how i would put it but uh this is a game that once i discovered it i immediately knew that i wanted to review it for this month and that is ghoul school which is a metroidvania video game released for the nintendo entertainment system in 1992 by imagineering this game takes place in a high school which has been overrun by ghosts and demons which you wouldn't really know if you didn't read the instruction manual before you started the game, because I put this as the first thing in my notes. This game tells you nothing when you start it. You dive right in, and you just got to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was fairly common for games of that era, because if you think back to the original Legend of Zelda, if you didn't like read the manual or you didn't see the opening crawl, you you were lost. Yeah. <laughs> like you had no clue what to do. You're just standing in the middle of a field and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll go in this cave. Yeah, unless you, you know, you read the the uh, instruction books and sometimes they'll give you a little little story of what the game is about. But they all it would just give you would give you controller layout of, of what, you know, the the buttons do and you, sometimes they'll give you an enemies list. But that's about it. Yeah. So this is the the story as per the manual of Ghoul School. <laughs> While taking the usual shortcut home through the cemetery from Cool School High, yes, that is a real Ugh. that's a real thing. <laughs> Senior I, I 
I can't tell you how much I've been fighting the temptation to say I'm too cool for ghoul school. <laughs> uh, I didn't technically use it. I've just said I was fight the temptation. Uh, senior Spike O'Hara found a strange glowing skull. He put it in his backpack to show to his anatomy teacher the next day. Which As you do when Halloween you come Eve. across a freaking random skull. Like, I'm going to put this in my backpack and bring it to school. Yeah, I'm going to show it to my anatomy teacher. <laughs> I'm not going to take it to the police. When Dr. Femur, yes, Dr. Femur, wanted to keep the skull for a special study, Spike was concerned because it appeared that the skull was bigger than it was the day before. Little did anyone know that the skull had begun transmitting its message to the realm of the dead. The ghouls had begun their assault. So basically, ghosts and demons take over this high school, and you as Spike O'Hara have to defeat them all and also save the um, the head cheerleader that he has a crush on. Of course. Yeah, because there <laughs> there has to be the damsel in distress. I'm sorry, but so, if there were uh, in, in my high school... And there were ghosts and demons and goblins uh, taking over the school. I'm not going to defend it. I would not have defended the school. I would have just went on home be like, well, no more school. Yeah, I would just, I, I feel like I would have just fled like everyone <laughs> else should have instead of getting transformed into, you know, zombies and demons and bats and whatnot. But it is, it is what it is. Oh, so basically, tell them the, oh, the the name of the cheerleader. I just read this and and wanted to vomit. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, Samantha, which happens to be my wife's name. No, the last name, <laughs> Samantha Pom Pom. Oh, Pom Pom. Why? <laughs> and you thought my jokes were bad. <laughs> but so anyway, as far as you know, like getting into the game itself. You know, the when I read the description of like the gameplay and whatnot, I figured this would be something that I would enjoy. It does play in the style of like Metroidvania, which is like a hybrid of Metroid Castlevania, meaning that it's non-linear and you have to do a lot of backtracking because like in Metroid, you have to find weapons that you know will help you get past a certain point that you can't if you don't have said weapon. So like you have these um these shoes with springs on them and when you wear them you can jump higher. So there's certain areas that you can't get to unless you use those. But I feel like there's a drawback for every single weapon or upgrade that you get in this game. So with the spring shoes for example, yeah you can jump higher, but you're also taller. So you're more likely to get hit by bats and other flying enemies. A lot of the weapons, and I, I put this in my notes too, suck. <laughs> like they really, so you start out with a baseball bat. The next weapon you find, just take a wild guess as to what the next weapon is. Uh, well, let's see. You start off with a bat and then maybe crowbar. No. Nope. Um, a shoe. <laughs> You're kind of close. Really? It, it's so one of the first areas you go in is like the the shower area, like next to the gym, and you find a towel that you use as a whip. Really? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, <sighs> somebody somebody on the development team had to be a jock in order to put that in because there's no other way that any like rational minded person would think, Oh, like, what are you going to do? Just like do the, the trick where you like roll it up into like a thin, thin piece of towel or whatever, <laughs> and like flick it like a whip. Like that sounds like such a jock thing to do. Yeah. I, I mean, so, so I'm already getting mad at this game because it's given me PTSD for school. So, how did you come across this game? Because I had never heard of this game either and randomly came across a review of it on YouTube not too long ago. And I watched the review, and I don't remember who it was from. I don't think it was like AVGN or anything. It was just some random uh, retro gaming you know, uh, YouTube channel. 
and they were talking about this game. And I, and even after watching that, I still don't remember much of what I saw. Like, it just did not look appealing. I remember it not looking appealing at all. Well, the way I came across it was we were coming up on October and I was trying to think of stuff to review because I haven't played nearly as many horror or Halloween themed games as you have. So I just Googled, you know, Halloween or horror themed retro games. And I found a few different lists and this was one of the first on it. And I read the description. I'm like, oh, this seems like something I would enjoy. Mm. So that's, that's how I came across it. Yeah, because I don't remember this game at all. I mean, even still, it came out in 92. I was already on to the Super Nintendo at that point, so everything NES was just like, meh, I'm not into that anymore. Yeah. And I, there's a something I have to say about that, but I'll save that for a little bit later. There's a there's a almost like a laser gun that you find called the Deweytron. Which I'm like, like Dewey from Scream. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I saw that in the, the, you wrote, you start with a bat and the Dewey Tron sucks. So Dewey Tron is like a laser gun. So it's a great long range weapon. You might as well shoot like those little plastic balls with the <laughs> holes in them at enemies, because that's about the effect that it has. So you remember in Metroid Fusion, when you're fighting the SAX at the end of the game, it transforms into that mm-hmm. larger, like alien creature. Yeah. So a lot of the default characters you fight, like the, the theme is a lot of them have one eye, like a Cyclops. Mm-hmm. One of them has a, a build similar to that. It, it reminded me of the SAX. So I'm shooting it. Like I find the Dewey trying, I'm like, Oh cool. Uh, you know, a gun. So I don't have to worry about getting hit. Guess how many shots it takes from the Dewey Tron to kill one of these things? I counted. Guess 30. how many? 30. You're really close. 32. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. Like oh, that's it, almost like the uh, the Avengers game I played not too long ago. The NES Avengers game. Remember where it took like 50 to 60 hits to kill a boss? I'm like, this is stupid. And there are these little miniature Cyclops uh, creatures that will follow you in certain areas there. They normally populate like the school hallway because like that's the main hub of the game is you're going through the hallways to go in these different rooms like, you know, classrooms, a gym, a bathroom, um, a basement, rooms like that. There are these small little one eyed creatures and they're fast as you know what. (laughs) And the problem is they they move faster than you do, and there's really no way to kill them. So unless you're, like, standing at the top of a staircase, so you're, like, eye level with them, and mm. then you can shoot them with, uh, with the Dewey Tron, but of course it takes forever. That sucks. So, I think I remember yeah. that from the review video I watched. I mean, this was also, like, this was a couple of months ago, actually. And that shows you how much this game uh, stuck with me because I forgot about it until you <laughs> said you were going to review it. And um, cause I, and I remember them saying that the weapons are almost useless in the game. Like, that's what it really sucks about it. There is one... I, I can't remember the exact name of it off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it's called Spinal Tap. Like <laughs> the movie. Yeah. And it's it's a very close range weapon, but you can kill most enemies in one to two hits with it. But you're likely going to get hit yourself, so it's almost like not worth the risk of yeah. using. But you you do get more powerful weapons um, throughout the throughout the game. Like there's towards the end of the game, you fight a Grim Reaper, and once you defeat him, you get his sickle, and then you can kill most enemies in like. I think four or five hits with it. So that's not too bad, but it comes along at towards the end of the game. So it's like, where was this earlier? Yeah. Why do I have to go through all the frustration of using these, these stupid guns and this bat and a freaking gym towel? Yeah. <laughs> I can't get over the gym towel. And I can't, that's been my biggest takeaway. I can't help but look at the cover art for this game. Because and I can't tell if I like it or if I don't. 
kind of like listening to the music for the game. Like it, it has a weird early Photoshop feel about it. I just, I don't know. There's, it kind of looks cool, but it kind of doesn't. It's weird. It looks like something that I would have made when I was learning Photoshop and computer graphics class. Yeah. It and looks when like I made it. I'm thinking this is the coolest thing <laughs> ever. And it looks like like a like a mock-up. Like the, okay, this, you know, something you throw together in like 5 minutes and be like, "Okay, here's what it is an idea of what it's going to look like." And then they did that and they're like, "Oh, like uh, no, nah, that looks good. Let's just throw it on the box." Like, uh, uh, "Okay." We could do a whole episode on bad game covers. We, didn't we talk about that before? We were going to do a top five worst video game covers, or, or did we already do that? I want to say we already did, because I, I think we've had this discussion before. Because if we did, I would have to put this on, on the list somewhere. It would at least be an honorable mention. Yeah, at least. It's not the worst I've seen, but it's, it's far from the best. I mean, it, it intrigues me. Looking at it, I'm like, what is this about? But at the same time, the, you know, the art major in me is like, I don't like this at all. This is just too much going on in too little of a space. And I hate the font. Oh, the yeah. Font you can, How is that, that skinny font uh, with like the, the stroke that's as big as the font itself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't stand that. And it's got like the Superman, uh, you know, the, the, what oh, is that from called? Superman the movie? Yeah, what is that called? Yeah. That like trail behind them, like it's coming at you. That yeah. that is so early Photoshop, where you're like, "Ooh, look what I can do!" <laughs> I may or may not have done that in computer graphics class. Yeah, once. I may have done that for some early podcast stuff I did too. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm just as as uh, you know I I'm just as guilty. We we've all been there, so it's. It's all good. But, um, okay, I'm going to spoil the ending of this game because I'm sure that you're not going to worry about it. I'm sure no one else is probably be aren't playing going to either. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> spoilers, I'm not going to recommend that anyone play this game. Okay, so you have to get the... I, this may be the most ridiculous weapon of them all. Like, right up there with the towel. You get embalming fluid that you have to have in order to rescue Samantha Pom Pom from the leader of the the zombie I don't and the thing is like some of them are zombies some of them look like aliens it's like like they both just decided to invade so you you fight this giant creature that again has one eye that was probably the easiest boss fight I've ever played in my life and then uh Samantha is trapped um, in this like trap door type thing, and you have to throw the embalming fluid on the door in order to open it and rescue her. Okay. So when you do that, you know you jump in, and once you stand next to her, like you've completed the game. And then it there's a cutscene where they're standing outside the school, and it's being transformed, you know, back into the normal normal high school, and you've got like the the ghost kind of evaporating out of the air and whatnot. And the school transforms back to normal while this is going on. The main character sneaks over to, to Samantha and wraps his arm around her waist and she denies him. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I would have thrown your ass back in the school. I would have thrown you back in the trap door. See, that's why you don't, don't save the school. Don't save the cheerleader because you're just going to get rejected. So just go yeah. home. Go home and eat a sandwich. Joey says in the chat, is there an Italian version of this game called Gabagool School? <laughs> uh, Joey wins it, the chat room tonight. <laughs> it probably would have been a much better game, honestly. Yeah, but you say it, you got to go Gabagool School. Oh, yeah, you got to do the hand motions. Gabagool. Gabagool. Ugh. That's okay. awful. What a horrible yeah. oh, ending I, to the na- to the game. I didn't like the game anyway, but it wasn't that long, so I'm like, I'm <laughs> I'll be able to beat it. And I did, so I'm like, okay, I can give a full review of it. And I'm like, 
you go through all this trouble, you fight all these zombies and aliens and and all this stuff just to to get rejected. <laughs> and she just <laughs> steps steps Ugh. over to the right and I'm like, "Man, poor guy." <laughs> you think your your wife would get mad at me if I start referring to her as Samantha Pom Pom from now on? <laughs> uh I, I'll explain the reference to her. That way, if you do, she'll get it. <laughs> Which I I don't imagine she was a cheerleader in high school. No, no, uh, she was uh she was a softball player. Ah, okay. Well, then it doesn't really fit though. Yeah. Yeah. If she was a cheerleader, you... I would definitely call her Samantha <laughs> Pom Pom from now on. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'd be great. Okay, so kind of my closing thoughts on the game. This I despite all the bad stuff I've said about it, I think there is a good game in there. It's not a bad premise. The style is not bad. I forgot to mention the controls are clunky too, mm. like like those early Castlevania games were, where it's like you're yeah. moving through sludge. So that didn't help. Um, had they moved this to Super Nintendo and maybe given it a little more TLC, like give it a little more polishing, make it not so repetitive, add a little bit more to it. Like maybe add, like make the school a little bigger. I know that's more backtracking, but I think there'd be more to do essentially. Cause it only took me like a little over an hour really? to beat the game. Yeah. It's a really short game. Huh. So, had they done that, I think it could have been better. But the way it is now, it's just, I didn't enjoy it. And I'm honestly disappointed because I was looking forward to it because it it seemed like a genre that, you know, like I like the Metroidvania-style games. Yeah. It, it seemed up my alley, but I just, I did not like it. It seemed like it was a good idea, just kind of bad execution. Because there were a lot of, you know, there were there are some really good horror, you know, themed games for the the Nintendo. You know, like Monster in My Pockets, great. You get to play as you know Frankenstein and Dracula to so beat them up. Um, you got Maniac Mansion, which is a great game. You know, you get all these great. Uh, we're not gonna say Fester's Quest because that is not <laughs> not a good game at all. Um, still the best game I've never played. Yeah, but uh, but there was a lot of good horror games for the NES, and even even like you said, yeah, you know, when you said it was um there was a good game in there, I still say Friday the Thirteenth, the LJN game for the NES. There's a good game in there. It was just uh, the limitations of the Nintendo is what held it back. I still say there's a good game in there, and um. And I'm going to find out next week whether or not uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a good game. But it just kind of sucks to hear that, you know, there's a horror game that just doesn't really do much. You know, like, because I love, like, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I think you love that game as well. Yeah, that game's great. The genre, I love the genre. But man, it's like when you fall flat, it's, it's, it's either a really great game or it falls flat. One of the two. Yeah, there's like no in between. And just uh, there's not much said in the reception, but I'll read off a couple of the scores. Uh, All game gave it three out of five stars. Game players gave it four out of ten. The video game critic gave it an F. <laughs> so I'm going to say for me, there are elements that I like about it, but I just think the execution was was pretty poor. Yeah. So. I'm going to give this game hmm I want to say like a 2 cuz that's that's way too low. <laughs> I'll give it a 4. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Like there are things that I like about it but there's more to dislike than like. Yeah. Well, that sucks. I'll probably never that's... play it, but you know. <laughs> I I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah. Well, it's all right, though. I mean, we, we say it, you know, every now and then on this show, like not every game we review is going to be like this glowing recommendation. Like there are bad retro games out there. Yeah. And you would think being this late in the NES 
lifespan, it would have been better because they knew what the NES was capable of by this time. Like, how do you have games that just miss the mark and fall flat, don't have great, you know, uh, they don't have great graphics and stuff, and then you turn around and look at stuff like, you know, Shatterhand and, um, you know, uh, Metal Storm and games like that where they're damn near look like 16-bit games. And, and it's like, ugh, how do you just make a piece of crap and just throw it out there? Like, how does that happen? I have no idea. But those are uh, those are my thoughts on Ghoul School. Uh, next week, and like I said, I'm going to be doing Nightmare on Elm Street with the uh, the LJN warning label right there on the front of the game. I can't believe I've never reviewed this game. We've been doing this show for, what, like seven years now? And Almost I've, seven, yeah. I've never done Nightmare on Elm Street, so this is going to be really interesting because I don't think I've ever played this game, honestly. I'm excited to hear about it, and I, I like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, so I'm curious to to see how that translates into the video game world. Well, I'm going to try to do some streaming of it over the next week, so keep an eye out for on my uh, YouTube channel if you want to come hang out with me while I, I play. I don't even know if you play as Freddy Krueger in the game. Like You would think if it's a Nightmare on Elm Street game, you get to play as Freddy Krueger and kill teenagers, but more than likely, you'll be playing. I'll be playing some nameless video game character or something. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't looked up anything about the game. But we'll see. We'll, we'll find out in the next couple of days. Yep. But, uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of this. What is this? What is the 344th episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show? So, Derek, what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience right now? So for fans of this show, I think you'll be interested in hearing this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience because I got to chat with actor Matt Hill, who played Captain N in <laughs> Captain N the Game Master. That's so awesome. Which is a which is a cartoon that, you know, you and I are both fans of. We've done commentary tracks for it before. But what's also cool is he was uh the suit performer for Raphael in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. He also voiced uh, one of the characters in Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and he's done a ton of voice work, everything from, you know, Transformers to, you, know, you name it. He's been acting for over 30 years, so told a really fantastic story, great personality. He was great to talk to, so you can check that out um, at linktree.com slash Podcast. That links you to everything from social media to... Um, YouTube channel, everything Derek Diamond Experience related is in one location. Uh, and I want to let everybody know, too, uh, if you listen to the show on Spotify or, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to hear this right now if you're on Spotify, but for some reason, the, the RSS feed didn't redirect correctly when I moved to ACAST. So I thought I'd fixed it earlier this week. And what happened was is it created a whole new Nerd Cave Retro page. So I had to go back to Spotify for podcasters and tell them what happened. Hopefully they have it fixed now to where our old page and feed will have the episodes now. So if you're following that page, it will work within the next 24 hours, I hope. So sorry about all the confusion with Spotify. I'm just trying to get... Everything Spotify is not making it easy for us to move off of their platform. They're just not. They're angry with us. I think. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. But hopefully, the feed will be fixed within the next 24 hours, and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. So thanks, Spotify. Um, and as far as the Open Micers podcast tonight, we're going to be talking this week's episode. We're going to be talking to comedian Andrew Rudick who uh, is a uh, nationally touring comedian stand-up, and he's uh, he's got his own comedy albums out. He's been on, uh, uh, let's see, he's been on the Bob and Tom National Radio Show. Uh, he's a regular on there, so go check it out. We're going to be talking to him later tonight. Go, go follow the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. And Derek, I think that's everything. 
I think so. Well, let's go ahead and walk out the door. If you want to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com is our brand new updated link tree that includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Merch Shop, and uh, we got Cash App and PayPal on there too if you want to send us a little something. If you don't want to be a patron, you want to send us some money to keep us going, you can do it that way with Cash App and PayPal. NCR Merch is where you can go to get t-shirts, hats, stickers, magnets, bags, mugs, whatever your nerdy little heart desires. Follow us on social media at NerdCaveRetro, at JFuntastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. And of course, please leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Gabagool. It's the Gabagool School. Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! This podcast is a Zoo House LLC production.